0: Yo, what's up? Miss your girl, DJ Narg. What's going on? Back in New York. All things considered, it took about two weeks to get over the flu. And I haven't been sick in a really long time, so... I was confused. And when you haven't been sick in a really long time, you get more scared of being sick than the actual sickness is shitty, if that makes sense. I didn't realize that I was living with this dread that I might get a sore throat (laughs) or I might get a runny nose. It's really nothing to fear, but when it hasn't happened in a really long time, start to remember it different. Sometimes much better, sometimes much worse. So, for the first couple of days, I ignored it. Trust me, there's a point here. There's a larger metaphor here. I'm, I'm sure you already get this, but just for those who are new. <laughs> it just sounds like I'm rambling. I'm not really rambling. But I am, but I'm not. I'll get there. We'll get there. For the first week or so I ignored it because my kid had it and so I don't know if it's adrenaline or a cocktail of whatever hormones are released in you when you see your child in a state where they need help but I was able for a week to just push through and kind of ignore the fact that it was happening I didn't even feel tired I didn't feel sick I realized that I couldn't stop drinking tea because the moment I stopped drinking tea it was like all the symptoms would hit me all at once but as long as I was keeping myself you know drunk on hot water with lemon and honey and earl gray tea I was really fine got a lot done to the point where I shudder now at the thought of packing up the house in Denmark if I had let myself be sick, I don't know how that would have gone. And maybe that sounds a little dramatic, but when you're on a deadline, you got a lease, and you got to move. Um, and every three months, you're kind of packing up your circus wagon, and you happen to have ADD. <laughs> that's a that's a mix. That's a symphony of chaos. <laughs> that can be very difficult to handle. Not physically. The physical part's all just organization and you know being effective, but mentally. There is something in the neurodivergent brain that finds deadlines to be in- intensely panic-inducing. Add to those deadlines the need to organize something and meet a deadline, and then get on a plane, make it to the right airport at the right time. Now, to someone who's not neurodivergent, that all sounds fucking normal as hell. But what I'm realizing, at least in my family, is that we have running jokes um, for people and they're really cruel because they're running jokes that are actually based on something very serious That's that can't be helped. So, for example, um, my younger brother has, like, intense uh, celiac. Um, yeah, coming from a medical professional family, you would think, right, that that would not be... Something that goes undiagnosed, you would think that it would be something that people would be highly sensitive to. I mean, if everyone in the family works in medicine, mashallah, you would think so, right? No, the running joke has always been about him. Oh, where is he? He's in the bathroom, right? The running joke about me has always been, uh, did you make it to the right airport or did you go to the wrong airport at the right time? Now that sounds hilarious because it's based in fact, I have done that before. But imagine the catharsis slash, slash vindication I felt when I became aware that flights in particular, airports, times, locations on a deadline at a specific moment in time is exactly the kind of thing that makes ADD, go nuts. There is just something in the brain that feels extremely panicked to the point of not being able to really remember. It's like the brain is so panicked by it that it blocks it out. And so you're not a ditz and you're not just forgetting that you're flying out of JFK You have looked at the boarding pass. You have looked at your itinerary a thousand times. But if my parents ask me where I'm flying out of and I have to take out my phone to tell them, well, they both laugh. But not in like a nice way, you know? (laughs) They both laugh. Because it's so funny that I'm so dumb that I can't remember that. Well, I'm not dumb at all. I just have fucking extreme ADD, that's all, right? So feeling completely overwhelmed by something and still being able to do it and function and be productive and step up to the mark and hit the fucking mark and completely focus under pressure. The more I think about it and the more I kind of, throw this idea back and forth with my mom in many ways i realized that her total lack of sensitivity to this is probably why i can function like why i'm high functioning because i tried to talk to her about it the other day and she had this smirk on her face that i've never seen she doesn't really smirk you know aries aren't smirkers usually i was like well that's odd what are you smirking about and I was telling her about, you know, just some neurodivergent symptoms that I've recently found out about. And it's really like opened up my life in a big way where like something as simple as the concept of wolfing. I didn't realize that one small concept of wolfing could change your entire life. And I'm not being and this isn't hyperbole. I'm not being dramatic. Like, it really can change your whole fucking life. And, the, and, the, and for those of you who are like, what the fuck's wolfing? it's the idea of having like a box or a drawer or a bag and it's not a miscellaneous drawer and it's not your junk drawer and it's not anything like that. It's all those things that you don't really necessarily have a place for that you can organize and put it, but you need it. But if it's just left out wherever it is, you can't fucking focus and concentrate. You can't get anything done, right? So for me, that's like, Figuring that out was monumental because I think I've said it before on here, but everyone that knows me personally knows that I can't function, I can't work, I can't write, I can't make videos, I can't do anything if stuff is out of place and not put away. If it's not clean and in harmony and organized and put away, I'm working in the middle of chaos and if I'm working in the middle of chaos, I don't know how that's going to turn out. And and it's stressing my brain out to a level that, like, I don't know how I'm bearing it, All right? So I was telling her, well, I do know, I'm going to explain why. Drink something, smoke something, do whatever the fuck you got to do, fam. <laughs> we have so much to talk about. I've spent, like, two, three wasted, two, three podcasts talking about, like, these inconsequential bitches. And we got so much important shit to talk about. So I was telling her about the concept of wolfing and how it's really changed my life. And, you know, it made the move a lot smoother. Um, It's made everything easier. So simple, but it just works, you know. And then if I need that thing that I've been keeping on my table because I need it, but if I move it and organize it so it doesn't look messy anymore, I won't be able to find where the fuck I put it. (coughs) When I need that thing, excuse me, I know where it is. It's in the wolf bag. That's it. It's not hoarding. It's not being disorganized. It's it's very specifically for people whose brain doesn't have that hyper focus. It's just a floodlight. You've got flashlights and see one thing at a time and think about one thing at a time. And some of us have floodlights that are always on. You can take that flashlight, you can turn it on or off, you can direct it at this or that. You know, I, I watch people clean a room and I'm like, damn, you're really cleaning the fuck out of that room. That's not how I clean. I'm just walking around. Every single thing that's out of place is going to get put back in place. Everything that's dirty is going to get cleaned. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no order. It's whatever catches my attention as I walk past it. Yeah, that's classic ADD, bro. That's floodlight is always on. We're hyper focused on everything all the time. So if I take Adderall, nothing happens to me. I just get calm, quiet, contemplative. No, like, cocaine symptoms. You know, no hyperactivity. No, let's go out and get fucked up. Or, man, this is making me want to stay up all night and study. I feel so smart. Um, Literally nothing happens. I at first thought it was like a joke. (laughs) and, like, someone had just given me something else. No, like, literally nothing fucking happens. Nothing. And I think I've told you this, that when I did that with my friend and my friend was bouncing off the walls, she looked at me and she was like, holy shit, you actually have, like, really bad ADD. It's like, what? She was like, look at you. Like, you're completely fucking calm. And I'm like, okay. She's like, no, but, like, you should be jumping off the walls. Like, you actually have this. And I was like, okay. And then later... She was like, wait, wait, the way I'm feeling right now, do you feel like this all the time? And I was like, I don't know, how are you feeling right now? And she just got like, it was like, you know, the realization, (laughs) it dawned on her. She was like, you're this smart all the time, aren't you? And I was like, I have no idea how smart or not smart you are. But if you feel like you can think about everything all at once and it makes sense, you can make a million connections because you got a fucking floodlight on then yeah and she was just like holy fuck now your entire lifestyle makes sense well yeah <laughs> spend a lot of time alone keep yourself as chilled out as fucking possible right give your brain some, a little just a little bit of fucking space and time to work with you know like Give it a little room. Help it out a little bit. It's doing the best it can with something that's turned up too high. You know? Um, So I was telling my mom about this. Specifically, we were talking about wolfing and about the missing flights and stuff. And she had this smirk on her face. And I was like, what are you smirking about? Like, what's so funny? And she goes, very... She whispered it, which is, I think, the worst part because my mom's really not shy to say anything. I've never heard her whisper, if that if that makes sense. You know what I mean? She don't, she don't whisper. Um, classy lady. She, she doesn't whisper. She's very direct. Why should she whisper, you know? But she whispered it because she knew she was wrong. <laughs> and she said, uh, I said, why are you smirking? What, what are you smirking about? And she said, well, it's just an excuse. And I was like, wait, what? And she was like, it's an excuse to not, you know, do what you need to do. And you know, (laughs) that It stung me for sure, but as funny as this sounds, like all the Scorpios are just going to nod their head and be like, this is why we like her. I don't mind getting stung. Like I'm not afraid of it like some people are, you know? Like, all right, you got me. Ow, that hurt. It stung me, but like I don't really mind getting stung. Stung is like, it's a temporary pain. It hits you for a second and then it's gone. You know what I mean? It's not like she put the knife in me and twisted it. No, no. That comes later. (laughs) That came later. That came with the realization. So she stung me with, you know, just telling me the truth about how she really feels about shit like this. And I think that a lot of people in the medical profession suffer from this. I think that when you get used to seeing gunshots and bodies and this and that every day of the week, yeah, maybe ADD, (laughs) It's a little bit more difficult for the more physical medicine doctors to, and, and of course that's such a horrible generalization because I'm sure, and I know for a fact that there are extremely extremely empathetic, nuanced, sensitive you know medical doctors, but overall I've observed that people who are in physical medicine definitely feel like physical medicine is more important in terms of, you know, staying alive, et cetera, et cetera. And yes, and so that makes sense. But some of them take it too far and diminish the the more, let's say, psychological. Now, the thing about ADD and the thing that hurt me the more I thought about what she said, ooh, cancer rising, we're going to think about it, we're going to hurt ourselves again and again and again with it the thing that really hurt me is, you know, we're not talking about something psychiatric or psychological. We're actually talking about neurobiology. We're talking about the brain and how the brain works. The brain is an organ like the heart. What if I told you, God forbid, that I had a heart condition? Would you tell me it was an excuse? And the brain controls everything and I'm telling you that there's, there's something going on with my brain and that there has been forever. And then it made me think of something else that she's always said, Umber, there's nothing wrong with you. You're perfect in every way. It's just that you panic. And the more I thought about those two things, all these like memories and instances from my life just came like flying from all the different corners of my memories. Attaching to this magnet of a realization that I guess I was having, but I didn't really know I was having. It's just an excuse. Ever since you were a little kid, you panic. Then it made me think of this time where I was out with my ex. We were playing backgammon, And I didn't really know how to play. And so they, you know, explained it to me. Just, you know, you're going to step up. And I was, like, I'd been drinking. This is back before, you know, before I decided I would never drink again. Um, And so they were explaining it to me like I was a child because I didn't really know (laughs) what I was doing. And so I was on the team opposing my virgo now x piece of shit virgo x um and his friend was on my team sorry this it's like long story for no reason but trust me we'll get there um and the friend was like you know i was like what do i do mose what do i do and he was like, you're just going to, and he was like, he's a really kind person. He was like, okay, uh, I'll make it as simple as possible for you. You're going to step up here. You're going to take this one. You're going to hit this one and get that one out of the way. And I was like, right. Okay. And I stepped up and I hit that thing and I hit the other thing and I got it out of the way. And then it was my turn again. The next turn, he was like, okay. You know, he was like, okay, that worked. <laughs> Let's try that again. Um, you're going to hit this. You're going to hit it like this. And then you're going to do this. And I was like, All right. You know, and I did it. and he gave me this look of like, you know, when men look at you and they're impressed by you, but not because it's something sexual. Like they're impressed by you the way they are impressed by other men. When a woman is capable at something, the look that men get on their face is hilarious because it's very condescending, but it's also like they're impressed, but they're impressed because they literally think that only guys can do shit like that. The perfect moment that encapsulates this is the matrix like what nothing i just always thought you were a guy most guys do you know because she's fucking capable she's so capable trinity's so capable that everybody thought trinity was a man i mean it's fucking amazing right so (coughs) excuse me he gave me this look that look that they get in their eyes you know when they're like oh shit like you can actually do some shit yeah motherfucker we can do a lot of shit we birth you idiots So, drink something, smoke something. So, 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 he pulled my ex aside and was like, you know, well, he gave me this look first. And I was like, yeah, you know, military training, (laughs) just as a joke. And he pulled my ex aside later and was like, you know, she's, uh, she can get it done. Good under pressure. And that memory came flying back because it's always stuck out as something that someone observed about me that for the most part, I don't really think people know outside of like the industry. Anyone who works in entertainment knows that I can focus much under pressure because they know what how difficult it is to be in front of a camera and to be effortless in front of a camera. That's not something that everyone can do. It's. Has nothing to do with skill or talent. That actually just has to do with gumption. And gumption really does boil down to, yeah, pressure. How do you handle pressure? What happens to you when the red light turns on? You know, and I worked in live TV for a long time. What happens when? That red light turns on and you can't make a fucking mistake. So what you're basically doing is now you're going to walk this high wire with no net. (laughs) With no net. And pretend like it's real. So what I have come to, the conclusion I've come to is... I think my mom's inability to be kind about how my brain worked was a conscious choice. She saw it. She knew something was wrong or different. But to her, it seemed like something that would just get worse if you indulge it. Better to diminish it, make it seem like it didn't even happen. It's not happening. You're fine. You just panic. And then forcing you at every turn to do exactly the opposite of what your body and your brain is screaming to do. Now, that sounds terrible, and it is. And it is. (laughs) It's fucking horrible. But it did give me this, like, runaway freight train energy when it comes to pushing through and getting shit done. Which, considering how fucking acute my ADD actually is, kind of a fucking blessing because if I hadn't been exposed to somebody who was so harsh and so unforgiving and so unaccommodating of this if I had been around someone who was kind and nurturing I don't know if I would be as productive as effective or as happy I suspect I would be a different kind of happy, a kind of happy, and now we get to the point, a kind of happy that I'm only beginning to discover now as I begin this journey of accepting this thing about myself that was never allowed to be accepted before, could never be accounted for, could never be Yeah, could never be the cause of something in a conversation. Now it can be because I'm making it so, you know, so as uncomfortable as it makes everybody around me, I'm okay with saying, you know, such and such thing is too loud for me. Such and such thing is, you know, uh, somebody's got to open a window. I can't breathe in here. You know, nope, that space is too small. I'm not going in there. Um it, it really super, super chaotic things that people really like. Big crowds, big weddings, big party. No, I I don't I don't feel good. You know, and when you haven't had the vocabulary or the space to ever say, I don't want to do this, I don't feel good. Sure, it can make you you know fucking tom cruise level determined to get what you want and do what you want but you've learned how to do it at the expense of yourself of your happiness of your of your softness because if that kindness wasn't shown to you how are you how are you going to learn it how are you ever going to be as kind to other people as you should You don't have the language for it. You don't know what it is. When in the ways that you needed kindness and you didn't get it, you know, that leaves something hard in you. Something, it's like something dies, something goes cold. And I think it even triggers you when you see other people asking to be, nurtured and for you to hold space for them it can trigger you because you're like you're asking for something that I never had the right to ask for and you're asking for it like it's nothing which tells me that you come from a situation where this was allowed and it was normal and your needs have always been met and and now you just seem even more selfish and fucked up to me Why? Because I'm seeing it through the lens of me, of someone who didn't have that space and doesn't have those, right? So it... Finding out more about ADD, thank you TikTok, sent me down this rabbit hole that was very unexpected and had really nothing to do with the neurodivergent stuff at all, but really about how I treat people. And then something else happened that this all seems unrelated, but again stay with me so when I got back from Denmark the other day I realized that my mannequin was still wearing the Templar helmet still had the pink sweatshirt on and the hood and still had the lights all around it and I went over to her and I was like hey It's hot now, it's summertime. You know, we we got rid of all the bad people. (laughs) No need to have all this armor on anymore, we're safe. I actually said that. And I took everything off of her. I was like, man, isn't this nice? Well, the very next day In a moment of completely disconnecting from my feelings. Many feelings, really. And just going into this total like ADD state of like, I want to clean and fix and organize everything right now because I have shit to do and I can't do it in this environment. In the dust up that is that as a passing thought I just rolled the mannequin out of the room I don't think I really knew what I was going to do with it but if you pushed me I would say that I knew that I was pushing it out of the room because I was going to push it into the hallway and then probably throw it out. And I didn't think that all the way through and I didn't think for a second about the fact that I had just told this chick the day before that she had nothing to worry about and she could take all that armor off. So as I'm wheeling her out, Again, it's occurring to me as I'm wheeling her out, like, oh, I'm probably going to throw this out. She fell. (coughs) This is going to fuck you up. She fell. And she hit her face. Listen, if you got to smoke it. She fell. And she split her face open right along her cheekbone. Looked like she had gotten in a fight. You know the standing desk I use when I do the Zaw walks? (coughs) Excuse me. She fell on the edge of that. Her face fell on the edge of it. Just tore it open. And when I stood her back up, it was the placement of the tear that went straight into my heart. And for a moment, I had this awareness. Oh my God. I just told you yesterday, everything will be fine. You were wearing all this armor for months and months. And then you trusted me. And then in a moment of thoughtlessness, when my head was somewhere else completely, I forgot about yesterday. And I forgot about you ask, you know, you having all this armor taken off you. Forgot everything. No, in that moment, my brain just needed some space, some peace, some clean. All this stuff in the way. This thing, that thing this fucking mannequin, get this shit out of here. Different headspace, different set of feelings. But when I saw that tear in her face, I thought to myself, oh, okay, so we're stuck together now. (laughs) We're stuck together for life now. Why? Because it was the most abstract way to make me understand something. And unfortunately, the abstract way is the only way that I really understand feelings. I lack the capacity to feel all the way through the feeling and come to some sort of insight I have to know I have to I have to know it in the abstract and then and then I'll have the feeling and then I'll have a coinciding feel you know like there is there is like a cascade of reactions to the knowing and that's as theoretical and as abstract as it gets you know because obviously, that mannequin is me. You know, it's me roaming around for the better part of, I don't know. Let's be generous and say three, year, three years, or let's not be kind and say maybe seven, eight years. of just having all this armor on. And then, you know, having this epiphany, oh, we need to take all this off. And it coincides perfectly with my personal life because it's like definitely what's being asked of me emotionally right now in my romantic life. let will take all this armor off. And the day after I do it, I'm taught this huge lesson in the abstract. And what's the lesson? The lesson is. Being vulnerable. And being open to other people. Relationships, etc. Truth telling. Having a podcast. Having a channel. Having friends for God's sake. This only works. This level of vulnerability that you would like to operate from. This only works. If you can keep your focus on taking care of yourself. Because I wasn't just pushing the mannequin out of the way because I needed to get shit done. That's me. That's me. That's me pushing me out of the way to get shit done. And where did I learn that? Fuck, I have a fucking lifetime education in that shit. What did I tell you? It's just an excuse. I spent a lifetime learning how to push myself out the fucking way and take it on the fucking chin and fall down and hurt myself to get shit done. And you know, it was just like that big little lies moment where that bitch Nicole Kim is. She's just not getting it. She's not getting it. He's too hot. He's too unstable. She can't fucking see that it's wrong. She's too turned on by him. But when her therapist says, "Uh uh-uh, put Reese Witherspoon in that situation, and now play it back, is it hot, what he's doing? Is it sexy? See, when he's grabbing you by the hair and raping and fucking you against your will, okay, and beating the shit out of you at the same time, when he's doing that to you, because you're his wife and you think he's hot and you fucking married him because you thought he was hot. That's one thing. But if we take feelings out of this and we just look at the facts and we just watch this motherfucker just do those physical actions to someone that you care about, that you want to protect, is this still hot? Or can you see now right away and nicole kidman who can't i mean i don't know where her acting abilities went i think it's like with every eye lift a little bit of her talent is getting sucked out i don't know what's going on but you know even nicole dead to the world kidman was like no you know she did that like i'm trying to hide my australian accent no it's very hard for the aussies to say no like an american um but even she pulled you know she pulled it out the out the hat with that one. her reaction to that in that scene is is like the best bit of acting I've seen her do in a very long time and and it wasn't very good. She's terrible in that scene as well, but it's better you know it was better than the rest, and it's because it's such a visceral moment you know. I don't think I've ever stopped to think about the fact that my productivity or anything I've been able to do or get up and make myself do every day is actually me pushing myself out of the way to get it done. I don't think I would have ever looked at it that way. I don't think I would have ever thought that. I don't think that anyone could have convinced me of that. But when I saw her face, It was like a light went on. Because always at your own expense, right? Whenever you push yourself out of the way to do what other people tell you to do, what needs to be done, what needs to get done, those things all mean the same thing. Who pays? you Now when I think about that theoretically uh eh, yeah you know I'm a generous person I'll pay it's okay But that scar on her face you know is perfectly placed it's right across her cheekbone It made me understand something The price is too high And the price is too high every time. Not sometimes, not once in a while. The price is too high. All the time. Every time. And you know. After that. Now, after seeing that happen, that happening, understanding that, I woke up this morning and so many things that have never made sense to me in the way that the people around me have behaved since I was a child, started to fall into place, started to make sense. See, it doesn't matter why you were trained to get yourself out of the way. It doesn't matter what the motivation of the person doing it was. It's a template. And that template has a complementary template which is people who want other people to do things for them. And when people like that come across people like me who have been trained to push themselves out of the way, they find their match. Now, if you feel this way, don't be surprised because this isn't a bit of magic. Don't be surprised if I say something that really resonates now. Drink something. Now, if you feel this way, you may have often thought, How come people don't love me the way I love them? And I have an answer for you. <laughs> fucking spoke something (coughs) well (coughs) the reason is (coughs) and then i'll tell you how i got there i'll show you my work let me tell you the answer first the reason is you when we boil all this down essentially what we're talking about is being raised in an environment where you are not unconditionally loved. You are conditionally loved. Now, the cool thing about being conditionally loved is that you usually become a person who loves unconditionally. Because you know how painful it is to not. And there's a moral issue here. When you are conditionally loved, especially as a child, we know from studies that dogs and children, uh, regardless of their age, so anything above, you know, like an infant, dogs and children are, they have the ability to sense unfairness. Okay? So, you become morally reprehensible as a parent or a caregiver to a child when you love them conditionally because even though children are not very sophisticated and not very intelligent they have this sense of fairness so naturally beings just know that unconditional love is real love and Inherently, (laughs) we also know that conditional love is wrong. So this sort of animosity grows in you, this judgment of the person that in your eyes just doesn't know how to love properly. And it pushes you and it prompts you to become exactly the opposite you love people for who they are man you're not here to judge whatever you're doing i love you and as with all sliding scales when we slip all the way over to that extreme what we do is we open a door we open a door for every person who, for one reason or another, can't seem to take accountability for their life or their circumstance. Now, that's not to say that there are not extenuating circumstances in everybody's life. Of course there are. But when you decide that you're never going to feel the way you did as a kid. So you're going to love everybody unconditionally. What you're also deciding is to put a big neon sign over your head that says, use me. Okay? Because unconditional love without discernment which is what you learn if adults teach it to you and you're not just making it up as you go. <laughs> Unconditional love without discernment that's just blood in the water. Like that's not that's not anything good for anybody involved. Especially not you. If anything, okay? If anything sounds to me like another way To push yourself out the way for other people, doesn't it? So you manage to even turn the thing that you think is good. The good thing that came out of you being neglected, not loved, whatever it was. Loved with condition, whatever it was. (coughs) You take from that, that I'm going to unconditionally love. I'm not going to be like my parents. I'm not going to be like my mom. I'm going to love everybody for exactly who they are. And then you use that as the weapon Mm. to push yourself out of the way and do for others because you love them, right? Because you unconditionally love them. Meanwhile, you're just fucking mainlining that same fucking neglect, that same fucking shit that's been happening since you were a kid. You're like biochemically fucking addicted to that fucking cocktail mix of pheromones, hormones, you know, whatever the fuck is going on, because when you know it, you're doing it, when you don't know you're doing it, but you're always trying to get back to that fucking sweet spot of what? Get the fuck out of the way. (coughs) Get the fuck out of the way. Get the fuck out of the way so you can do... Get yourself out of the fucking way. Handle yourself. Get your shit together. Stop making fucking excuses for yourself. And do what I need you to do. I have needs. I have feelings. I have wants. I have desires. Right? I mean, I look back on my life now and it's like a fucking, it's like a gag reel. No, wear your hair like this. No, wear this thing. No, I don't want to go here. No, I want to go there. No, let's move here. No, don't do it like that. No, study this instead. Don't ever do this thing even though you really love it because I'll judge you for it. I don't even, I'm not even going to fucking talk to you. But if you go out and try to have a life, Umbra, you're breaking my heart. The level, the audacity, the level of the audacity that people I have surrounded myself with in my personal life, it was really not clicking for me. And then I went to Portugal and we had this crazy fucking experiences and then it all made sense like, yo... <clears throat> you think we're having a conversation about ADD? Nah, this is a this is something so much deeper. The ADD is just, it's the red herring. You know what I mean? It's the it's the blood in the fucking water. It's like what the fuck, bro? Like you could you could have just dealt with the fact that there's something like right that there's something different about me. You could have just dealt with that. Instead, for your convenience, and, and good intentions probably for my convenience, as I said, it's been very helpful in a way, you trained me out of acknowledging the fucking fireworks going on in my brain all the time. And instead of just making me productive, what you actually did is you fucking primed me, you groomed me. To be susceptible to every piece of shit out here that doesn't want to fucking do for themselves. Everything is everybody else's fucking fault. Everything. Everything. The only thing that's their fault, they were having a bad day. They were having a bad week. That was a bad time in my life. That's it. Everything else it's your fucking fault. You know why? Because why wouldn't you give it to me? What needs? What needs do you have? What is it? ADD? What is that? Um, Umber, don't make shit up. Oh, now all of a sudden, when I need you, now you have ADD? Oh, you didn't have ADD yesterday when you were hanging out with your friends, but now that I need you to write a letter, now you have ADD? Oh, I could keep going here. So what what you do is then that becomes your fucking template for romance. It becomes your template for what you find familiar. And you know how fucking disgustingly seductive familiarity is. So anyone you meet that's like, oh, I don't really take your needs seriously. My needs, however. Could you help me fill my needs? And you're like, this... This song, I know this song. This is my fucking song. I love this fucking song, bro. Yeah. Fuck me. Who gives a fuck what's going on? And this mannequin is looking at me like, look at my face. Look at what you're doing to yourself. You think all this shit that's happened over the past, like, three years of fucking coincidence? No. No. You think, you think it's lost on me that I'm the fucking co- like common denominator and all this? Of course it's me. Of course, because I'm sitting here like a magnet with a fucking sign over my head. Use me. I love putting myself last. Just, just fucking ask me to do something. And you're like, oh, that's so funny. I never thought of you that way. I actually think of you as the opposite. You, know, you take your time for you. You do what you want to do. Not emotionally. I overcompensate physically, sure. But emotionally, I'm doing all the fucking heavy lifting, bro. And if I don't, everyone around me who has outsourced that job to me, well, I take it very personal. and somehow that emotion that emotional job that they give me ends up becoming a financial fine that i have to pay but that's for another time how long do we fucking wheel ourselves away not even giving a fuck if we fall down or hurt ourselves. What the fuck is going on with us? It was very portrait of Dorian Gray that moment for me. How often do we do that? And with how many things? And this is where I want to go next. With how many things? <coughs> with me, it's like, you know, military mom, Aries. She doesn't like, give a fuck. You gotta do what you got to do. You know what I mean? ADD, these nuts. You got to do what you got to do. I get it. But how many different things, not just, you know, mothers and caregivers and how many different ways, how many different modalities, how many different platforms are used as the impetus to push ourselves out of the way and do the heavy lifting and do the emotional work and do whatever needs to be done over here for this thing for this platform for this look for this dream we're chasing for this external something out here instead of putting ourselves first even in front of our wants and desires and our you know our wants and needs for ourselves our desires for ourselves what are those things Now that this cult of personality that we call America or Americana has taken over the world, and everyone is basically becoming some strange, you know, diasporic version of an American, it's okay. They seem to love it. Um, you know, there. We have to. <laughs> we have to address how many different things there are in this thing called Americana that are designed to make us put ourselves last. First and foremost, obviously, there is this, you know, desirous kind of uh, breeding into us of capitalism. It just needs to be there you don't need to know why you're running the race you just need to be born into the race and you need to be born running so you never question you know or stop to look around at the track so capitalism the thing that like the culture and this americana kind of cult of personality is based on is already something that is ideologically designed to put yourself last and put the Geez, I don't know, (laughs) put the making of money first, you know, the bottom line, the bottom line. So already, basic premise of the country, basic premise of the culture is one where you are not important. And then from this base supposition, branches out some really interesting cultural phenomenon, as you would expect. I mean, if the Given that we're going by is that you don't fucking matter. <laughs> how how gnarly can it get? How wild can it get? What branches off from there? You know, what permutations of what multiverse do we get when the basic premise of an entire culture, an entire culture that has now seduced an entire world, is based on the premise. that you don't fucking matter well one of the branches that you get off of that is this extreme focus on vanity because vanity is fake self worth right it's Vegas looks like the pyramid it's called Luxor somehow I doubt this is the look sore. You know what I mean? You understand? Vanity is definitely one of the most dangerous branches off of capitalism. Because it, it just goes so well together, right? Avarice and vanity. <laughs> They're old bedfellows. Two of the seven deadly sins, right? So... Let's look at vanity. Vanity is the past 20 years of you and everybody you know (laughs) trying to fit, mold, run, Pilates, inject, lift, laser, and wax your way into a very specific look. Now, the cool thing about vanity as a modality to make you push yourself away and hate yourself is that it kind of feeds itself. You don't have to do a lot of work. You just have to plant the seed of doubt in someone's self-worth. Do you understand what I mean by that? Like I said, vanity is this fake self-worth. Somehow, you can convince yourself to believe that what you look like on the outside is the most important thing about you. Whereas we know that real self-worth, a.k.a. high self-esteem, a.k.a. the feeling of capability within oneself, is a purely internal process. (laughs) There's nothing external about it. So fake self-worth. Now, capitalism teaching you from before you could breathe when you were still in your mom's womb, capitalism was teaching you that you mean nothing. (laughs) I mean, when you were a small, small, small child, you already knew that you were going to have to grow up one day and get a job. You mean nothing. And then... You know, that you become convinced of. It's in your bones. (coughs) Capitalism lets you know very early that if you don't do the work, oh, you're going to (laughs) die. Capitalism is what makes the jungle the jungle. You understand? So now it's very interesting that once you've got this in your bones, you don't matter. The only thing that matters is what you can deliver. Dollars and cents, baby. How much is it worth to ya? What the fuck is going on? Oh, my bad. You hear all that? You hear that? That's the Puerto Rican Day Parade. Or some version of it that's going on uptown over here. (laughs) So... They already have it in you. That if you don't have a job, if you don't make money, that's what matters. If you don't make the money, you don't don't count. In capitalism, that's like you decided not to play the game, but you're on the field. You're a piece of shit. The ball is being kicked at you. Kick it back, motherfucker. What do you mean you don't want to fucking be in the system? Fuck you. Get some self-worth and come back. Get a job, you bum. I suggest you get a job, sir. You know, the bums lost, right? It's a big Lebowski. That whole movie is about ideological struggle. But Okay. So if that's where you're starting from, <laughs> that's you out the gate. All that matters is how much money I can produce to feed back into this fucking machine. And if you're sitting in a socialist country listening to this and you think it doesn't apply to you, take a deep breath. And get in touch with yourself because you know it applies to you too. It applies to all of us. This capitalism shit, it's like a disease. It spreads everywhere. You're not immune. You're not immune. You're not immune. It's a mindset. Even if you have a socialist government that's taking care of everything. I'm talking about the mindset. So, what happens next? Well, now they got you convinced. You ain't shit. If you can't make the money, honey, we got your disease. Okay. Oh. But if money equals value, you know it makes a lot of money. So I guess it'll give you a lot of value. Sell yourself, sell your face sell your feet, sell your lips, sell your hair, sell your waist, right? If I don't mean anything more than the bottom line that I can provide, <clears throat> if every person is reduced excuse me <clears throat> to what they can earn my my won't the wrong things start becoming very fucking important vanity natural offshoot one deadly sin to another it's going to lead to another we're making we're connecting lots of dots Just hold on Now, the thing about vanity is it is fake self worth, but it's insidious because it will eat away at your real self worth. And here's the rub the more capable you are and the more high self esteem, the higher your self esteem is, but genuinely, like you think you're capable, you can handle everything, you're the shit, and then whatever happens, you're going to handle it. That shit actually, ironically, makes you so fucking attractive holy shit but vanity wants you to believe that that thing that actually makes you fucking magnetic and beautiful and attractive to everybody vanity wants you to believe that that shit doesn't even matter The only thing that matters is on the outside, baby, because the outside is the only thing you could sell. And we all know it comes back to what you could sell. Mm. So now you've been taught, one, you're going to have to put yourself to the side if you want to, you know, be a cog in this machine. Whatever dreams you thought you were having of being out in the countryside running around naked or swimming all day or eating grapes all day or fucking all day, you're wrong. Okay? You're wrong. First of all, you need to go to work. You can't just get to be a cog in this machine and reap all the fucking benefits. You got to do the work. Two... The more you focus on this thing, the more money you'll make. No matter that capitalism fuels a culture of vanity that actually robs you of your self-worth, robs you of being capable, robs you of being successful, no matter. They just go so well together. Because let's be honest, the more money you make, go to work, bitch. The more money you got to make yourself look, quote unquote, more marketable. I'm going to start stop using these pretty, beautiful, these terms. Because whatever the fuck is going on right now out here has fucking nothing to do with beauty. Bro, that picture of Kim Kardashian, let's fucking talk about it. That picture of Kim Kardashian fucked me up, bro. All these bitches in my comments, oh, I think she looks great here. I think she looks, you know what? I couldn't be happier for you. I don't give a fuck what you fucking think. Nobody's saying she doesn't look good, but you know what? I'm going to say it. Y'all want to like rally in the comments and be like, no, she looks beautiful here too. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? I get that there's like a subset of people who really find people who look like rodents attractive. Like, I get it. I've met mad people like the bitch from Stranger Things with the road 11 with the rodent face. Like, I get it. That some people like bitches that look like hamsters or dudes that look like rats. Like, I get it. I've been there. Okay, I've been there. Like vermin has an appeal. I get it. But what are we fucking like? What are we talking about? I hate when we do this like play play time. Like we're all in kindergarten and we're all in some kumbaya festival for the woke. This shit makes me crazy. What are we talking about? Yo, Allah Kikasim, I swear to God, you walk down the street in Pindi in a small Pakistani town outside of Islamabad, and every bitch you see on the fucking street blows this bitch out of the water. I'm not kidding either. I'm not exaggerating. What's going on with this? weird high up in the sierra mountains ridge of the nose what do you doing? what's going on what's going on has your nose always been that crooked have you really been out here photoshopping and contouring the fuck out of the top of your nose listen i'm not mad i'm not mad i'm not mad because makeup tricks face tune tricks hey do you girl do you But you really out here paying paparazzi to take fake photos of you and then retouching them and then sending them out to the world, knowing that there are small, 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 small girls who are going to see that and think you actually look like that. But you ain't about the life, but you're not about the life, though. This is my issue. Oh, well, let her be like that if she wants to do that. This is my issue. Then be like that. Kendall Jenner's about that life. Yo, the jenners? The jenners are about that life. Bruce Jenner had what? Three nose jobs? The jenners are about that life. They're like, I don't like this. I'm gonna change it. Surgery. Dangerous. Yeah, okay, I'll take my chances. How many nose jobs Kendall got? Three? Three times! Three times that bitch went under the knife because she about that life. She was like, Yeah, fuck it. The Jenners even convinced Chloe. They were like, Chloe. <laughs> Stop Kimming this thing. Just fucking get your nose done if that's what you want. Be about this life. You will feel better. Okay? Now, I'm not advocating mutilation, especially when your self-image is all over the fucking place. So I don't even want to touch the Chloe thing. But my issue is this. You didn't have the guts to change your face. Not really. But you wanted to make this money. And you knew the only way to make this money was to sell a false vanity. A vanity that is unattainable or unreachable and it's not even really. But was marketed and fabled to be unreachable, unattainable. Why? Because that in and of itself is the driving force of all advertising. Therefore, the lifeblood of all capitalism. I have to make you feel bad before I can sell you something to make you feel good. I can't sell you something to make you feel good if you feel good already, dummy. So now I got to create something. Because... People, you know, they don't just feel bad for no reason. People don't just go around going, oh, I want to feel like shit. Okay? You got to make them feel bad. And people don't like to feel bad over stupid shit either. So you have to make something fantastic. You know, people aren't just like, I know it seems like that now in our culture. Like we make it seem like people are just waiting for reasons to be, you know, to hate themselves, put themselves down. No, I don't think so. I think, drink something. I think what happens is that it's almost impossible to make people feel like shit about themselves. So you have to create, cue the American advertising you know, world, you have to create things that are so extreme that no matter who you are, No matter what your lack of inadequacies or what your lack of insecurities, no matter how secure, how confident you are, you're going to see this made up cartoon thing. And it's going to make you feel what? Not good enough. Inadequate. Why? Because they're sadistic? why because they just want you to feel like shit no they just want to fucking sell you something but who the fuck is gonna buy that underwear okay listen to me listen to me yeah because i'm in the fucking mood because i'm in the fucking mood you know why because i'm tired of getting pushed around i'm tired of biting my fucking tongue they fucking killed that fucking reporter In the West Bank, they shot an American citizen in the fucking face. They shot an American in the fucking face and then defiled her fucking funeral. God rest her soul. I'm tired. I've been holding a lot of shit in because I've been dealing with these fucking hoes and all this messy shit they've been doing. I hate. See, this is why I don't fuck with women. You see? You see why I don't date women? This messy shit. It takes you away from all the important shit that you want to do. All the work you want to do, because you got to stop and deal with this fucking nonsense. The lying, the drama, the victimhood. The essays I've been getting. Listen, I've been getting essays over text. They're like eight, nine paragraphs. Bitch, I'm not reading that. Are you crazy? You really think? Oh my God. Imagine if you were actually fucking one of these bitches. Can you imagine? Then it would be like 16 paragraphs. Get out of here. Scram, bitch. Like... I'm tired, bro. <clears throat> I've been wanting to talk about all this shit for a while. For a while now. But like, okay. So you're selling. You you actually think. You actually think that if you're out here telling the fucking truth. That this is how you actually look. And I'm not saying it to be mean. I'm saying you didn't want to break your nose, so you didn't get the top of your nose done. So your nose is crooked, which is fine. My nose is slightly crooked. Ain't nothing. I think it looks nice. I think it makes my eyes look sharper. <laughs> okay? But the ethnicity with your nose was killing you. You know, it just didn't look white enough. So you got the bottom of your nose cut off, okay? Okay? Also, interesting choice because now the top of your nose is gonna look more crooked because you're out of balance. Okay, so you made yourself look like a gerbil. You didn't look like a gerbil. You made yourself look like one. Okay, got it. Um you with me so far? And then you went ahead and you went so fucking crazy wild with the Photoshops that you literally had people believing that you were a different body type. And that you had a different face than you actually do. Because it's not about focusing on the bump in her nose. It's not about focusing on her nose being crooked. It's about focusing on her being a fucking Armenian. A person, you know, that's not white. Yeah. It's about that. So. (coughs) We had to wait. Until this bitch tried to wear a dress, okay, for somebody my height, a little bit, I'm a little bit taller, but like five, six, five, seven, we had to wait until this bitch tried to take that Photoshop fantasy life that she be living and be like, nah, actually, this is my real life. No, 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 because I could do that, because I'm so good. As spinning this fucking lie to make this fucking paper. I'm not knocking it. I'm not knocking it. To make this fucking paper. I'm so good. You know when people start buying their own bullshit. They start believing their own hype. That's how you have the flop era. That's how these flop eras happen. Listen. You're doing your little Photoshop. FaceTune. Stretching the legs out. You're doing all this shit. Selling mad underwear. Got it. Got it. But I think you knew and we knew and everybody and God and everybody knew that if you were out here looking how you look, actually, with your little crooked nose and the you know and the little legs and your your 5'1 or whatever, like you and I both everybody knew that no one was gonna buy his fucking underwear. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's a billion dollar power move so I respect it. But it's because Kanye spent 10 years making you look like a completely different body type and making you look like you had a completely different face. And you sold shit off that. But when you start believing your own bullshit, you looking at your own pictures, not remembering that they're Photoshop, you're looking at your own, you know, body lengthening apps and going Oh, that bitch was 5'6". I could wear that dress. That's not even an issue. Because you believe in your own bullshit. And as soon as you start believing in your own bullshit, you know what starts? The fucking flop era. Listen, I'm not trying to be mean. But if you make undergarments, and that's your business, and you are looking a whole mess in somebody else's dress... That seems like a thing that Undergarment should have been able to solve. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, this is flop era shit. This is how it starts. Why are you making these stupid fucking mistakes? But you know why? Because who you choose to be around is the end all be all of the trajectory of your fucking life. Look at fuck. Look at the fuck has been going on in my life for the past three years. What you think it's magic that all of a sudden like my house is twice as big, mashallah, everything's clean, everything's working out in my personal life. I have all these new projects you think it's a coincidence. Who you choose to be around determines the fucking trajectory of your life. You you put that dress on and put on five inch pleaser heels that not even the girls at like Magic City want to wear anymore. And your 28-year-old moron was like, that looks hot. Kanye would have been like, bitch, if you don't take this voodoo shit off right now, like, have some self-respect. And your hair looks green and you look old. What are you doing? Like, Kanye would have ripped her apart. Have you, have you not thought about how much fucking satisfaction he got out of watching this, like, complete flop era moment? the white baseball hat with the veil and the eyebrows and the just, you know, and then, and then go ahead and make it even worse by going and working with a bunch of people who just said on Twitter, like five years ago, Dolce and I think it was Dolce who said the cheapest people I've ever met in my life and tweeted a picture of the Kardashians. Like, All I saw when I saw those pictures from Italy, from this weird blood sacrifice, ritual, wedding, whatever the fuck that was. All I kept thinking is like, this is two very shady, very catty gay men getting them back. Good. Like, I looked at those outfits and I was like, oh, they've been harboring resentment against these girls for a long time because those outfits were like revenge a straight up revenge i don't know why on earth if you're doing an outside event and you got bitches whose skin has mad texture why would you put them in black clothing I mean, why would you put a group of women in black clothing at their sister's wedding anyway? It's very odd. It's very, very odd. I don't actually even want to touch the subject of the wedding because I am truly, truly freaked out by it. The colors, the setting, the vibe, the shortness of the dresses. All of it gave me a lot of uneasiness and just dread. Like, I never want to go to anything like that. I don't know what the fuck that was, but it felt really fucked up. And I've never gotten that vibe from a wedding, anyone's wedding, people I know, people I don't know, people I've never met. Like, does it matter? Like, v- weddings generally do not give me horror movie vibes and that's what it felt like i felt like i was like watching still pictures from like chris uh, yeah like what's that movie carrie you know where it's like the prom and everything seems fine and then all of a sudden pig's blood like it just it was giving me vibes it was giving me carrie vibes so i don't even want to fucking touch that because i don't know what the fuck is actually going on and i don't fucking care it was the exact day when they did all that weird shit out in the woods and got quote unquote married, whatever the fuck was going on, was the same day where we were having that like this issue out in the woods of Portugal with this fucking bitch. Like it, like it's oh, uh, I don't even want to touch it. Bitches want to go out in the woods and do witchy shit. That's fucking cool. Leave me out. Like I said before, um, leave me the fuck out. That's it. I don't mind. I don't mind. Just don't talk to me about it. Leave me the fuck out of it. Don't you know? Don't just don't just shh. So I don't want to talk about that. But so vanity. So what? So what happens when vanity becomes you know the long arm of capitalism, the one that can group in the most dynamic set of the subset of the population, that being young women. you need to show them something false you need to spearhead a kind of cultural movement of vanity every so often to get women jumping from one foot to the other now skinny thighs are in now big thighs are in now big asses are in now flat asses are in now you need implants now you don't now blondes are in black hair is always best and to constantly feed That element of this machine, again, designed specifically to get you the fuck out of here. You need someone to be the kind of um, figurehead of that false, unattainable worth, this vanity that we're talking about. So by definition, to get that job... You have to be made up. You can't be real. Because the whole point is that it has to be so fantastical that it makes you want to spend money. Because you you're just never gonna get there on your own if you don't spend the money, if you don't get the cream, if you don't get the underwear, if you don't get the you you you, you you'll just never make it, bro. Seriously, that's marketing, that's advertising. You'll you'll never make it, bro. You'll never look like this bitch. But if you use this cream, you might. Right? So vanity is used. It's another way to get you to buy, to sell, to spend. And again, none of this has to do with your inner life. So, the race you're running isn't real. The money that you're making from running that race isn't real. They keep telling you that. They, they inflate it, they deflate it, they're just like, it's not real. And,. The image that's being used to make you feel like dog shit about yourself isn't real either. But there's a solution, don't worry. When you figure out that you'll never look like Kim Kardashian, because Kim Kardashian don't look like Kim Kardashian. What are you going to do? You can't. Buy that thing we were selling you because even the person we were using to sell it to you, she can't even buy it. <laughs> Oops. But um, we got a lot of food. And a lot of porn. And a lot of junk TV. And... Yeah, you know, we'll get as much money out of you as we can by appealing to your vanity or creating a complex within your vanity by showing you fantasies, lies. And we'll get your money and get you to keep yourself out of the way as long as we can with that. God forbid you get in touch with yourself and realize that your needs have nothing to do with buying and selling. So we got to keep you distracted. So we'll keep you distracted by showing you these lies and making these lies walk and talk and move their mouth. Hey, guys. And then once you wake up to the fact, for whatever reason, that all of that vanity is bullshit, And no matter how many salads you eat. No matter how much yoga you do. Without that BBL baby. You ain't never going to look like that. Well. Then there's a new thing to sell you. And we move on to the next sin. Gluttony. Hey, sorry about how we lied to you and said that you could all look like that if you just bought this underwear, but um, this time we're telling you the truth, that feeling that you're looking for that'll make you feel good. Sorry that you bought the underwear and then it didn't make you look like that. Oops. That was that was bad, But but we're different now, okay? So now... Um, These things that I'm giving you that you can buy from me, these will actually make you feel good. Promise. And take as much of it as you want. Eat as much as you want. Watch as much porn as you want. Drink as much as you want. Gossip as much as you want gluttony just another way to keep you a cog in the machine because if they didn't feed your appetites or or your destructive impulses right everything's getting fed if they didn't feed those appetites Well, there wouldn't be this much of a need. Right? This gluttonous culture that we keep blaming on people. <laughs> well, where is it coming from? People just decided one day there's way too much food and we're just gonna eat it all. People just decided one day that lots of people are fucking, we're just gonna watch it all. Is is that what's happening? No. It's that you're selling people something by making them feel like shit, but whatever you sell them doesn't actually make the trauma or the pain go away. So you made them feel like shit because you wanted to sell them something, but you never thought about what would happen next. They're just going to keep feeling like shit. Oh, but this works out perfectly for capitalism because that's another way to keep you a cog in the machine. Sorry, we made you feel like shit. We said this thing with work and it didn't. And, and, and you still feel like shit I heard about what I said. Oops. Well, you know, it doesn't matter, girl. Live your life. Cheat day. Eat as much as you want. That'll help. Eat as much as you want. Drink as much as you want. Watch people fuck as much as you want. Just as a sorry, you know? Sorry sorry you're uh, sorry you didn't turn into the person we thought you'd turn into if you just wore these leggings. <laughs> sorry about that. But but unlike that snafu this is real satisfaction. This lasagna actually does taste really good. That, that particular chicken, that porn sheet is really fucking hot. Promise. You'll definitely get off this time. Promise. Well, that's just another marketing pitch. That's just another way to sell you something. Right? Okay? And if you look down the list, you'll see all of them. And they're all designed to do what? All these seven deadly sins. What do they do? They take you away from yourself. They make you push yourself out the way. Fucking mannequin be damned what happens. So you can do for the machine. And boy, when your parents raise you like this, the machine loves you even more. You're coming to them well-trained. Right? Right? You are ready to take your place in the machine. You are happy and proud of it. And all you had to do was give up yourself, put yourself to the side. Come on, people do it every day, what's the big deal? You think that myth has persisted throughout time of selling your soul to the devil just because? You think that's just a story that got hot, never went away? Why is that theme, why does it run so strongly? through our past, through us. Mm. Selling your soul seems like a metaphor Or choosing this dunya, this world over yourself, over the divinity within you that deserves your time and attention and nurturing and energy, and it deserves to be your priority. It is the divine drop within you, after all. Selling your soul to the devil seems like another way to say this machine, this agenda, all these offshoots, these artificial priorities that I'm being given by this machine because it's what's best for the machine. I choose this as what to focus on, as what to strive for, as what to attain, as what to measure myself against. And I will do this actively at the expense of that tiny drop of God that lives in me. And and what does that drop? That you are just an encasement for. How should it ideally be treated? Because the gag is you grow up with conditional love. You learn how to love unconditionally everybody else. But not yourself. What does that drop of divinity deserve? Well, first and foremost, it deserves all your attention. Your care, your unconditional love, your attentiveness, your space, your time. More than anything, your acceptance. Your acceptance. of course ignoring all of that when it is the thing that's keeping you keyed into the simulation it's like your connection to everything when you ignore all of that that connection and the nurturing of that connection be it you know you with your higher self you and God however you do this however whatever floats your boat instead of doing that which Existentially seems like the only purpose for us being here. You would choose rather to prioritize and focus not on yourself, i.e. focusing on God. Same difference. No, you would choose instead to focus on all the things you don't have that you could have if you just had enough money to buy it. And don't worry when you get all the money to buy it and you still can't buy it because we've got some very nice consolation prizes for you. You know, Betty, could you let them know? Show them what's behind door number one. Food, door number two, porn. Door number three, alcohol. Hmm. Focusing on those three things avarice, greed, vanity, offshoot of greed, and gluttony, the result. Of greed. This is the way your culture or your adopted culture rears you from birth to neglect yourself. So if you're sitting somewhere wondering right now, fuck. Why do I keep getting myself in situations where I end up being neglected? Baby, you were raised in a world that was meant to teach you that you deserve to be neglected. Anything other than buying into that programming is a radical fucking act. Even getting to the point within where you sincerely believe that you feeling okay in your body and you feeling settled and calm in your mind is more important than any detail, any appointment. Any if you even that one little thing, if you could actually really believe it, would change your life if you actually started moving through this fake fucking world based on how you're actually doing and not go straight into fight or flight. Yeah. That might be something. But... Here we are, and you are surrounded by images and personalities and agendas that all just want your fucking money. And they have no problem destroying your self worth, your peace of mind, your confidence. Or your self-esteem to get it. Just for a dollar. Just for a dollar. So, I want you to try something for me. (coughs) (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Smoke it if you got it. (coughs) I want you to look at yourself in the mirror. I know this sounds super cheesy, but I want you to try to see yourself without the lens of the media. I want you to try to look at yourself like you've never seen someone on camera before. Like you've never seen a picture like you've never seen a moving image. If you can. Block Hollywood, the media, the internet. Block it all out for a second. Just look at yourself. Because I have this wild theory that when we just look at ourselves, (coughs) <clears throat> Excuse me. And we take all the advertising away. All the fucking dark psychological tricks away. I think we begin to see ourselves not as human so much per se but more like nature. I think when you take away the lens of the media and the number that it does on your self-worth and self-image, when you eradicate that, or in this exercise, just push it away for a second, I think you begin to see yourself more the way you would look at a tree or a plant. I think you begin to see... The humanity in your eyes. And... You know, the way your skin... Is a certain color or... You, you begin to see... A human being. And not just... A work in progress... Not just someone who has had to resign themselves to the fact that they'll never be that pretty or they'll never be young again or the, they'll never. Uh-uh. No. What happens when you just look at yourself? outside of space, outside of time. Just you. I think you begin to see yourself like we see the mountains or the sky or the plants or the trees. We begin to see that we're just these really strange-looking, quite beautiful animals. And when you knock vanity out from under, well, that whole pyramid of suppositions will begin to fall. If your insecurities physically can't be used against you, 90% of what's marketed to you will no longer work. Because you won't feel the need to buy anything to make yourself physically different. But, do you see what I'm saying? So, if you are not just okay, but appreciative and quite interested by how you look, and you're not holding it up against this entire devastatingly powerful machine that's built to make you feel ugly okay again that's how you sell shit if you don't have all that and you're just looking at yourself it's like time travel you start to see yourself in all these different time periods because you just look like a human and you begin to see the things that are attractive about you but not because they adhere to some ratio and some standard and something on somebody's page who said it's like this and this is beauty. No, you your best features, your, you know, where your energy or your power comes from, it starts to kind of exude. And you don't need to buy anything and you can't buy anything to make that happen. So Vanity is a big one in capitalism. It's the driving force of most of it, TBH. And the reason it works is because all of this is predicated on you doing what we want, not what you want. Doing what's right for the system, doing what's right for your job, doing what's, you know, doing what's right for everybody else. That's what makes you a good person. Anything less than that and you're selfish. Hmm. Yeah. You're selfish if you... If you admit that you can't handle something, you're selfish if you won't get a nose job, even though everyone's trying to talk you into it. You're, you're selfish if you insist on putting your needs before the systems, just like you were selfish for putting your needs in front of your parents. Just like you were selfish for not doing what they told you to do in school because you had to do something else. There's no positive way uh, to put yourself first without the system itself and everyone who's plugged into it they just they're resentful of it but I think you should try it I think you should Spend a couple of days just clocking what happens. Where, wh- When does that switch get turned where your trauma, your programming, your childhood, whatever kicks in. And instead of a parent saying it to you now, it's you saying to yourself, uh, I don't care how you feel and I don't care what your needs are. We need to get this done. Something to think about. Now there's a lot of other things that we need to talk about. I finally got my voice back somewhat, so I'm excited to do the videos, uh, do the Pisces video. I know they're just now starting to go through something, so I'm going to do the Pisces video tomorrow. Inshallah, Inshallah. Um, But I'm excited to go into the... July readings. I'm excited for cancer season. I feel like my luck in cancer season is very good. So I'm excited about that. (laughs) I'm also excited for the tide to get high and strong and wash away all the vermin, seen and unseen. And I think I'm the most excited about my life than I've ever been because I feel, mashallah, that I've been released uh, from some sort of chokehold of low self-esteem on the level that I don't think I consciously understood at all. but it was making this connection between the establishment and what they need most and how vanity works perfectly for them as a way to get what they need most out of you. Well, I hate being suckered and I hate being played and I hate being used, so I'm not gonna let that happen, which means I can't care about my looks in the same way ever again because I'm not buying into this bullshit. It's not my style. <laughs> so. There it is. Gemini season is rapidly coming to a close. So much more information to share. We'll be getting on that right away. And yeah. Don't don't be like me. Don't wait until you push yourself so metaphorically carelessly like that. Metaphorically, carelessly, no. Don't abandon yourself for others, not for the system, not for vanity, not for marketing, not for a man, not for a woman, not for them, not for anybody. Don't abandon yourself over and over again because you were abandoned don't do it when you do this work what you like and your tastes and people will change you'll see <laughs> inshallah, inshallah I love you guys And uh, this was quite a ramble. Sorry for the long pauses. Just getting my thoughts together sometimes. That's a big part of this whole thing too. Just taking up a little more space. Jupiter and the sun together in conjunction in my chart. And yet constantly have been surrounded by people who wanted me to play it small. Very frustrating. But no more. Hmm. If I'm rambling, I'm rambling. If I'm pausing, I'm pausing. You know? If I'm overwhelmed and I need to put everything in a bag and not think about it, then that's what I'm going to do. The thing, the ADD thing, the way it ties in is that It's only debilitating if no one addresses it. (laughs) And there we are. We've come full circle. I love you. I miss you. It has... uh, honestly been... a very trying time betrayal is a special kind of pain but in true gemini fashion didn't last for very long (laughs) and we're back and i feel like i've said that a lot in this year but it is a year of comeback after comeback so I think it's okay. I love you. See a girl. TJ Narc.